Hi everybody, this is Steve Harganon and welcome to the Future of Education. In the United States, it is Wednesday, May 27th, 2009. And in Australia, is it Friday morning already? No, no. <laughs> Thursday, sorry, my mistake. It's Thursday morning, yep. <laughs> Our special guest tonight is Gary Putland from education.au. Welcome, Gary. Uh, thanks, Steve, and uh, I look forward to uh, the next hour. Well, so are we. Uh, the Future of Education webinar series is sponsored by KnowledgeWorks, the creator of the 2020 forecast, Creating the Future of Learning. Lots of fun to look at. If you haven't seen that document, we'll point to it at the end. We'd also like to thank Illuminate for sponsoring the venue. Uh, this environment is a, a terrific way to hold a meeting, and uh, if you're listening to us live, We'll give you a little demo of how to use the tools. If you're listening recorded, we encourage you to come another time. The uh, best way to view your main screen is to go up to View Layouts and click Wide Layout. That will let you see the chat a little bit better. It's my favorite way to look. If you look across the top of your screen, you'll see a number of icons. The only ones you really need to look at right now are the green check and the red X. Go ahead and click that green check. It lets me know that you're hearing me and everything is okay. If uh, Gary wants to ask a question and is going to ask you to respond in the positive, you click on the green check. If it's in a negative, you can click on the red X. Gary, I don't think you call it a check. What do you call it there in Australia? Uh, well, we, we, might, we call it a tick box or something like a that. But, uh, check, we don't, we don't right. understand check. <laughs> okay, so then I'm going to go ahead and clear those. If you would like to leave a comment, you can click uh, and type in the comment area. It's the chat. You can see each other's comments. You can actually send comments to each other, but know that uh, the moderators do see all comments being private. You can click on the emoticons, the little icons at the bottom of the participant window. The smiley face expresses happiness or funny. You can clap to applaud. You can click the confused face. If you're confused about something or if you disapprove, you can click the thumbs down. To ask a question, you click on a hand with a green arrow and it puts you in a little queue for asking a question. If you think you might like to ask Gary a question uh, using your microphone, go ahead and go up to Tools, Audio, and run the Audio Setup Wizard and that lets us know that, um, I mean, that will let you know that your microphone is working. So uh, it would be fun to find out where those of you who are in the room are from. Uh, certainly welcome to put uh, your city, state, country, time, and, and weather statistics in the chat, but you can also there's a little wand next to the map with a red dot at the end. If you click on that, then you can click on the map and you can let us know visually where you're listening from. It's hot in St. Petersburg. It's hot in Sacramento as well. Do we have someone from Indonesia? Singapore. And Gary, are you the only one coming in from Australia? It looks like it might be. Well, so uh, we'd like to make a special welcome to Gary. He's the General Manager of Business Development for Education.au. They are Australia's leading information and communications technology agency for educators. Gary, is this a public or a private agency? Uh, this is actually a, uh, a public agency. We're funded by both the federal and also the state and territory uh, governments, uh, and particularly the education and training ministers. So uh, it's an interesting beast because we're public, but we are kind of like allowed to actually participate uh, in tenders and things like that. So we're, we kind of like straddle both. Interesting. Uh, Gary, in particular, is responsible for the development of new services and business opportunities for education.au. Uh, he develops, negotiates, and manages alliances both nationally and internationally, where it brings benefit to Australian education and training community. Uh, I met Gary at the COSIN conference, where he gave a version of the presentation he's going to give today. Uh, Gary, delighted to have you here and are anxious to learn uh, what you have to tell us about uh, what you're learning about the use of Web 2.0 in education and then hopefully you're going to give us a tour of your social network. 
Uh, that's right, Steve, and uh, thanks for the opportunity to uh, uh, do this presentation. And as Steve said, that uh, what I'm going to do is uh, a, a variation of the presentation I did to the COSIN conference in March. And given that there are no Australian uh, uh, people here, then uh, I might just also give a bit more of a background to uh, the uh, Australian education and training context. Um, Steve, can I just check? I actually um, should have control of the slides. So I might just ask whether um, people have actually got a copy of the slide which says, does Web2 belong in schools? I think you may have your Rome button still checked. If so, just I do. it. And then you'll be able to move your slide forward. So Steve, now I've just unchecked that, and uh, so can I just check that uh, you can see the education? It actually just says education. Got you creative cable connected? That's where we are. And then you use the Great. single forward arrow and back arrow to move through the slides. There you go. Okay, thanks, Steve. Uh, yeah, so look, um, what I'm going to do today is talk uh, about the Australian education and training context. Because at the moment we've got uh, probably a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, I think, given our federal government is, is putting quite a bit of money uh, into um, education per se, uh, but also have, um, through their rhetoric and I also think through their commitment, funding commitments, uh, are quite serious about uh, the use of technology and its uh, potential in uh, enhancing teaching and learning outcomes. So we're pretty excited about um, where our government officials are thinking at the moment and uh, so there's great opportunities here in Australia I think. Um, just a bit more about education.au before I go on. Um, I mean our role um, is to uh, work, uh, as I said before, we're funded by each of the state and territory education system. So Australia is made up of um, an eight states and territories, um, so not as big as the US where you've got 51. Um, uh, and we also have a federal government as well. And uh, we have a complex arrangement between the federal government providing a significant amount of funds to the states and territories. And in our school sector, it's the states and territories that take responsibility for our government schools. Um, we also have a, about a third of our students go to what we call private schools. And uh, uh, they're largely funded through the, the federal government. So it, it's a bit of a complex um, situation. Um, our organisation works in the school sector. And so I see a lot of um, the beginnings of great examples of Web2 use in our schools. Uh, we also work in our, what we call our vocational education training sector or further education. Um, and uh, also our higher education, which is university. So I get to see what's happening right across um, each of those sectors. And what's interesting from my perspective is that um, I know the nature of each of those sectors are quite different, but in terms of the use of technology, I think we're grappling with um, quite a lot of uh, similar issues. And the particular one I think we're really grappling with is how we actually help um, uh, teachers or lecturers, practitioners we call them in the VET sector, how we get them to use technology effectively to improve the learning outcomes. And uh, we're really starting to focus on professional learning, professional development, which takes learning outcomes as our focus um, and uh, that drives a lot of the stuff that we're doing. But let me just give you a bit of context for um, what's happening in Australia because it's pretty exciting. Um, so firstly, uh, our government has actually got a, an initiative called the Digital Education Revolution uh, and this is $2 billion worth. Uh, you've got to remember in Australia that our population fits into the southwest corner of um, California. So we're not a big uh, nation in terms of numbers. Uh, so things like $2 billion for us is actually quite a significant amount of money. Uh, what this is intending to do, and uh, again, it's, it, it's an interesting tact by our government, is to uh, provide almost a one-to-one -one computer ratio for students in our secondary schools uh, in, in the last four years of schooling. So that's from what we call year 9, uh, 10, 11 and 12. And so what we're going to have, and this is a four-year program, what we want at the end of the four years, what the government wants at the end of four years, is for the students in those schools to have a very technology-rich uh, classroom environment in which they're working. Uh, and interestingly enough, around our states and territories, uh, they're implementing this um, initiative in quite different ways. For example, in New South Wales, 
Um, that's one of our largest states. Uh, what they're doing is actually putting netbook computers, uh, giving them to the students to use both in school and also um, outside the school environment. So they're recognising now that uh, a lot of um, the, the learning now doesn't just simply reside inside the formal uh, learning context, it resides outside of that. So, um, so that's that's uh, where one state is actually taking that. Uh, other states have, have uh, in general, I think I can say that many of them are moving down the track of uh, mobile computing and uh, connected, uh, very well connected devices. In fact, New South Wales uh, are now also implementing both wireless connections in most of their schools as well. So, uh, again, it's a, a great example of. I think a education system, system having some foresight into uh, where they want to be over the next three to four years and it's certainly about um, what I call M-learning or mobile learning and connected learning. So the digital education revolution has been going for about um, uh, 18 months now and we're really just starting to see the boxes roll out into um, to schools. One of the things that we're very conscious of though is that dropping boxes onto desks doesn't change practice and so alongside the digital education revolution uh, there's quite a number of other programs which are focused at professional learning. Um, and so I won't go into those today but I do want to assure you that we certainly realise that uh, this is not just about dropping boxes, it's also about how we support teachers, uh, principals in schools and also um, uh, I guess uh, governing boards who actually spend a lot of money in this area uh, to ensure they're making right decisions about 21st century learning. Uh, another um, initiative that uh, has been announced because of the GFC, we, we call that the global financial crisis, is a stimulus package and uh, our government is supporting $14.7 billion into um, rebuilding uh, some of our schools but also reshaping some of our schools as well. And again, uh, one of the emphasis on this is that the um, uh, ability for our schools to really think very carefully about how technology will be implemented in the classrooms. Uh, we've actually developed a, um, we looked around the world in terms of what was good practice in terms of uh, um, uh, classrooms or 21st century classrooms. One of the uh, things I uh, found was that um, in the UK and also in the US there's some great examples of what I call classrooms now that have been designed for different learning styles and different teaching styles as well and really starting to look at being flexible in terms of what's going on in a classroom and responding to a much more uh, innovative practice. Um, so we've provided that information and in fact um, at the end of this Steve I'll try to make sure that uh, some of these uh, links um, are made available to the group who's here today. The other thing that uh, government's just recently announced and again part of our stimulus package is a, a national broadband network and again it's recognition by a government that the, um, it's not good enough just to have uh, computers, it's also about how we connect them and how we actually connect people. Uh, this is apparently one of our largest um, uh, national uh, infrastructure projects that we've had for a long time in Australia, it's $43 billion worth. So again it's another significant um, initiative by government. Uh, again this is going to be about uh, four to eight years they're expecting for this to uh, be in place. One of my questions uh, to the government about this particular one is uh, we also need to be thinking about the whole 3G or what we're now calling the next G. So it's all the um, mobile um, uh, phones uh, networks and how we actually use those in education again both inside uh, the formal learning environments and outside the, learn the formal learning environments. So I'm sure that's going to get um, a lot of discussion as this national broadband network gets rolled out. Um, by the way, the broadband network is intended to be what we call fibre to the home and fibre to um, businesses and fibre out to schools. So uh, we expect uh, fibre to school to happen you know, relatively quickly. Uh, on top of that we have an, a new national curriculum being developed and uh, again one of the things that we've been very conscious of uh, trying to help them shape the curriculum in a way that it meets 21st century learning and 21st century skills. Um, I did do a paper, unfortunately it's not public for them, but um, I did do a paper around an ICT continuum and in that I argued that 
uh, a curriculum for 21st century uh, was one really that we needed to focus on core skills which would take up about half the time and the second half of that should relate to learning how to learn. Uh, I'm not sure that they've taken that um, up but uh, I thought that the uh, Partnerships for 21st Century Skills, which is a group out of the US, had some fantastic resources around that whole concept. So there are some pretty uh, um, large initiatives that are, and reform initiatives, I guess, that are happening in Australia that I thought you might uh, find um, of use in terms of how we're responding to the whole technology and particularly around Web2. And what I'm going to do now is just very quickly talk about what we know about student use in the home. And um, so we have got some statistics and I think they're around about two years old. So in, in actual fact they're probably much better than these. These come from the Australian Bureau of Statistics which suggests that about 75% of our homes have computers in them. About six, sorry, 75%, yeah, that's right, 75% have computers and 67% have computers plus internet access. And about 52% of those uh, actually have broadband, what we call broadband internet access. So it's a reasonably high penetration, although we always be, uh, are reminded, and I think it's an important thing to have in the back of our minds, that there is still a group in society that potentially could be missing out here. And equity is a very important issue for us. Um, but one of the things we can say is that um, the use of computers and the internet at the home is actually increasing quite markedly and with this new national broadband network we expect that to increase even further. The other thing we know is that the uh, our young people, and I, I'm now talking between the ages of 9 and 18, uh, are using uh, the internet for um, largely social networking but also uh, some recent research is suggesting that about half the time is spent uh, by these students for schoolwork. So there is productive work that's actually happening in there as well. Um, we also, so we do know that um, many of our kids are using uh, your social networks like Facebook, uh, MySpace. Facebook, by the way, is actually more popular than uh, MySpace in Australia. Uh, although one of the things we're starting to also see is that um, uh, many of, many students are realising that a lot of older people are getting on Facebook and perhaps we might see a swing away from that because they kind of like don't like um, authority. Uh, well, that's yet to be seen. Um, but one of the things that's interesting is that Twitter is not used very uh, highly by our young people in Australia. Um, it's, and yet in education at the moment there's a, quite a large cohort of um, educators that are, are using Twitter to uh, share and refer um, some really good uh, practice and good sites. So I think Twitter's got some great potential in, uh, as a tool for uh, professional learning. Um, we're also starting to see in our schools some fantastic examples of the use of web tools, uh, web two tools. And um, uh, although in around about uh, 10 minutes, I want to talk about some of the challenges we've got with that as well. Um, so we we are seeing our schools use things like blogs and wikis. Um, and uh, also a whole lot of other tools. I've seen some great examples of uh, students using Delicious for bookmarking and how they actually, their teachers are creating some great resources that they can use year after year. Um, so uh, things like uh, online games, we're, we're just starting to see um, teachers put some really good, um, uh, I guess, uh, classroom practice uh, around those and uh, also in the whole area of virtual learning worlds. There's a really good example in Australia called Scolaborate, uh, which is a linking schools internationally uh, in a, a virtual world environment or immersive learning environment, depending on what, how people um, view that. So we actually believe that Web 2's got great benefits, particularly because uh, the focus now with Web 2 is more about connections rather than is, it is about content. And so uh, we're very interested in this whole notion about how uh, the whole Web 2 uh, should be a focus on connecting people and knowledge actually being uh, part of the network that uh, you reside in and it, and it um, lives and breathes depending on that. Um, so Steve, uh, one of the things that we've done then is that we've actually produced a a site called um, me.edu.au in response to that and I'm just going to do an application share now so uh, we'll just go across because I want to show people uh, what we've done with uh, this me.edu.au product so we'll see how we go on this.
Gary, while you're doing that, I'm going to draw attention to a couple of questions that have come up in the chat. Uh, I'm uh, copying them and putting them into a document so I don't lose them. But um, let me know if at any point in time you want to pause and I can feed some of those back to you. Uh, Steve, mate, I'm quite happy to take them now if you like. Okay, so the first one I saw was that Virtually Scholastic said, could you share any feedback with us about how teachers have responded to the initiative to get more computers into the classrooms? Any resistance? <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a good question. Uh, there, there has been some anxiety, not only on teachers' part, but also on the, the principals or leaders uh, in the schools. Um, but actually that was the initial reaction. I think what's happened since is that many people have realised that this is actually a really important um, part of uh, students' learning and so they've really adopted uh, a much more um, friendly approach, I think, to the initiative. There's not no doubt though that there's still a, a lot of professional learning that needs to be done here um, and so I think part of the, the anxiety is more about how teachers will be perceived by students when uh, faced with a classroom of 32 kids and 32 um, notebook or netbook computers. So, um, so I guess in answer to the question, yes, it has caused some anxiety. But my understanding is that uh, people are starting to realise, well, this is going to happen. We have to do something about it. And in some respects, it's a bit like a Trojan horse policy that uh, I, I think that people, are, you know, this is going to force the issue for teachers to have to change practice. So there's a little back and forth between Virtually Scholastic and Mr. Coley. Mr. Coley is asking, what did you see in the UK and the USA that influenced the tech revolution? And I'm not sure I fully understand that question. Do you think you do, Gary? Uh, let me have a go at that. Um, in the UK and the USA. Uh, look, I, I'm, I think what's What's starting to happen, and I think this is happening in Australia as well, is that people are beginning to realise that technology is a very much part of um, our lives. Whether it's, um, at, I know people talk about the digital uh, natives and the digital immigrants. I, I'm not quite sure I liked um, the separation that the digital natives and the young people have grown up with this because many of us who um, have been involved in technology have done that as well. But I, but I think it's largely to do with the fact that um, it's now part of our society and people are realising it cannot continue to not be part of our formal education because it's going to contribute to that. Um, so if you start reading some of the policy documents, uh, particularly out the UK, I'm not so sure about the US, but in the UK, the policy documents are recognising the importance of technology in uh, producing citizens for a, both a global and a digital world. And I actually think that part of this is actually uh, about policy, uh, some of it being driven from the top, I think the other aspect to this is that we're also, and I hope we see more of this, is the demand from the bottom. So I reckon that clients, that is our, both our kids and parents uh, in um, our society, should be demanding that uh, this is the kind of um, learning that we should expect. So then Virtually Scholastic asks a, a question that I'm very interested in as well, which is, is the professional development for teachers focused on building their uh, ICT or tech skills or changes to teaching approaches? Yeah, look, we, we in fact will be putting out some uh, of our own research that we've done recently where we'll be saying the best professional learning is that professional learning that's focused on the learning outcomes of the students and in, in doing so, you're really looking at how this is about teaching and learning first and how technology can be used to improve that. Um, now whether that means that then a, there's got to be a focus on ICT skills, I think that, that that decision needs to be made in the light of um, this really being about improving teaching and learning, the focus of the professional learning being uh, directed towards the learning outcomes of kids. Great, so did you want to move on? Those were terrific answers. Okay, so what I'm going to do now, uh, we've developed a product in Australia called me.edu.au and um, 
Uh, I've just I've actually logged in. So if if you log in um, to this, and by the way, this is actually a product which we we're funded by the Australian Australian governments uh, to provide free to the education and training community. And what we're doing is uh, really developing this um, as we get feedback from the community. One of the principles, I guess, behind me.edu.au was not to try and put a fully featured Facebook type uh, product in place because we realised that often by making it that complex, many people weren't able to um, uh, get into these environments and become productive very quickly. So uh, this is what we call a cut down version of Facebook. The principle behind this is that we know that people will have a digital footprint um, and, and educators now increasingly are having digital footprints in, um, it might be a Facebook, it might be a Twitter, it might be delicious, but it's one of these um, social networking um, uh, sites and what this allows you to do is to draw the feeds from those services into the one place. But not only can you do that, very quickly you make connections with other professionals who've got like um, interests. So for example, one of the first things you do um, and I'll when you go into this environment, and I've just scrolled down on the left-hand side of the screen, you'll see, you obviously see my name, you'll see my profile underneath and my colleagues, but then underneath that my profile actually says that I have a number of interests. So if I type in something like cyber safety, for example, which is one of the interests there, then that immediately connects me, if I'm new to this environment, to a whole lot of people who are already um, interested in cyber safety and are having some dialogue around that. Although I see at the moment that, uh, as with most communities, dialogue sort of increases and dies depending on what some of the, uh, the, the issues are around at the moment. Um, so um, there are a large number of communities now. We've got about 13,000 people in this uh, community of practice. They're all not active. Some have come in to try. Um, maybe have not liked it, have gone back out. But there's a large number of people who are relatively active. And believe it or not, the group that we found has been reasonably ac active in this area is uh, first year out teachers. These are teachers who have come from university have uh, worked within the one institution but now find themselves out in uh, a school and are looking for colleagues to be able to connect with. And uh, so that's been one particular community of practice that has found this environment very, very useful. Um, so, um, so the first thing that this environment does is allows you to um, uh, log in, set up your profile, and then to draw into this environment your feeds from uh, external sources uh, and then also make connections with uh, other communities of practice. So for example in mine here I've got now my colleagues for example Prue, um, Kerry, Jay, uh, so these people are relatively active um, on the internet and so I'm drawing into this environment um, a whole lot of the um, uh, posts and things like that that they're, they're actually doing out on the internet. So it brings it all into the one place. At the same time, um, we've got uh, uh, the ability to be able to share very quickly and tag a whole lot of the resources uh, within the environment as well. So it goes both ways. You can actually pour stuff into this environment or in fact you can pour it back out as well. And you'll see up the top there that you can have your own blog within this environment. Uh, I will admit that this blog is still relatively um, um, uh, early in its thinking and so we've, there's a bit of work to be done on it. Um, Steve, I'm just wondering, it looks like there might be a question there and I can't see who that is. It's me. <laughs> ah. I'm asking, I wanted to ask a question. So I'm curious if, the, if, you had, if you felt like you've had to do some training even about what RSS is because it seems like your focus has been make sure they can bring their RSS feeds into me.edu.au. How much have you had to help people understand what an RSS feed is? Yeah. Um, it's true that uh, one of the things that we are funded to do is to actually go around to every state and territory and do workshops with staff. Uh, and it is true that we would have to uh, do some preliminary work with people who are not familiar with the whole concept of RSS. 
So, uh, so that's that's true, Steve. Although um, uh, in my profile, it actually, uh, I mean, one of the things you, if you know about blogs, you know about the RSS, you know how to copy and paste a URL that links to those. Uh, then it's very easy to actually put that into your profile and draw it into the one place here. But it's true, you're right to say that uh, we do have to do some um, uh, professional learning with staff about the whole concept of RSS. Even the concept of the digital footprint out on the internet, I think for many people is uh, still foreign. Okay, Steve, so um, did you want to ask any Further questions? No. If you hear a ding again, it's me or someone else with a question. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep an eye out for that. Okay. So, so this is, um, as I said, uh, the, the um, what I see in terms of my profile. But the other thing I can do is I go up and click on the community tab up the top. Then we have a tag cloud here, which actually gives a sense of the other communities of practice that are uh, active within uh, the site. And that, again, as you see, most people know tag clouds. The uh, larger font size uh, communities, the ones that are, are, have got more people in them. Um, so we have uh, across Australia things like um, copyright. Um, it's one of the interesting issues I want to talk about in a moment to, with the whole web too. It uh, provides us with some interesting challenges. Um, grassroots, grassroots video. Um, uh, Oz Projects is an international project where we link schools. It's a bit like an e-twinning project that happens out of the uh, Europe. Um, and Twitter, so it looks like Twitter, you can see down the bottom there, starting to uh, uh, become uh, quite popular in terms of people um, wanting to talk about it and uh, connect around some of the issues there. So, so that's me.edu.au. Now, one of the things I wanted to do today, um, we're very conscious that uh, a lot more people are using mobile devices and uh, we're developing a um, client for this on the iPhone and uh, I've got a little demo here so if I can just quickly do an application share, Steve, so let me have a go at that again. So I think you've done it perfectly. You turned off the app share and you're going to turn it back on, right? Uh, yes, I have done that and now I need to turn it back on. While you're doing that, what platform did you build uh, me.edu.au on? Uh, Steve, now you're asking me some difficult questions. Um, uh, we, this is actually an open source uh, platform uh, which we've actually crafted ourselves. So, um, uh, so in that case, uh, I, I can get some details for those people who might want to know the technical details because I'm not a technical person and uh, that's probably best if I go back and get some uh, further advice on that. So just a minute, Steve. I'm just going to see if I can load this up. I think first you'll have to start the video, pause it, and then share it because it won't recognize it uh, if it's not actually up in a window. Okay. All right. Thanks, Steve. So I'll just get that done. I'm sorry about this. We fine. Um, and I've got them in the media library. If we need to play them directly, we can do that as well. Okay, it's um, just opening it up, Steve. So I'll just keep you informed about how we're going here. We've got about around about another um, 30 minutes, I think, haven't we? So hopefully this won't take too long. If it takes too long, again, Steve, what, as you say, we've got in the library, and people can have a look at it. But I thought this was an interesting um, uh, direction that we're taking this, and uh, I've got to say this is just very early days in uh, our thinking about this, but. It's pretty exciting that we, uh, like I'm finding with my iPhone, I mean, I, I love it. It's a fantastic um, uh, device and uh, uh, I think this would be a great addition if people could access uh, the me.edu.au um, uh, on their iPhone. So just a moment. Okay, I'm just going to do an application share. Now, Steve, can someone tell me whether that's come up on your screen? It's just coming up for me now. I've, in fact, I can see the full screen now. If you can see it, go ahead and put the smiley face on. And click on the smiley face at the bottom of the participant window to let us know you're seeing it. So most everybody so far is anybody not seeing it, you can click the down, thumbs down or 
I think we're good. Okay. Um, <laughs> now one of the things I can't do is I can't get to the bottom of the screen and click the go button. Just a moment. Uh, no, it looks like some reason rather, Steve, it's not actually... Uh, now, let me have a look. <laughs> look, rather than waste your time uh, again, Steve, uh, uh -huh. perhaps uh, people might, ha might have a look at that. Uh, but sure, look, like, me, like for those people... Want me to run the actual video for everyone? Can, yeah, can you run it? If you can start it, because yeah. for some reason rather, I can't get down to the... Uh, That's fine. So is this the Mi Shorter or the iPhone demo? It's the iPhone demo. Okay. I'm going to run it, everybody, and you should see it come up on your screens. You can talk uh, through it if you'd like to. There's not, not an easy way to yep. pause it for everybody. No. Okay. So, look, I'll just, while it's uh, playing, I'll just pause it through. So, for those people who've got an iPhone, it's a very typical um, uh, application where, um, again, to be able to get into the me.edu.au community, you'll have to uh, do a username and password. Um, and then the uh, tabs that you saw up the top will be the tabs that you'll be able to see there. Uh, and very quickly you'll be able to do things like make connections with uh, uh, other um, uh, teachers that are there, but also be able to uh, very quickly read uh, their posts depending on whether it's a delicious account or um, uh, a, a, a blog or, or whatever it might be. So I thought, uh, and again, as I said to you, this is very early on. We haven't released this yet, but we expect to have something like this ready in early June for um, our educators in Australia. Uh, and again, I have to say it's only on an iPhone, but um, uh, we'll be also be looking at how we might do this on uh, other devices as well. So I just thought people might be interested in the fact that uh, not only will this application be available through a normal desktop, but also be available on mobile devices, because clearly we're seeing um, uh, the move towards more of a, uh, an M learning uh, connected all the time type of environment. Any okay, plans Steve? to provide so the teachers with the iPhones? Uh, that, no, that's not on the agenda at the moment. Um, I'm sure Apple will be very pleased with that. Uh, look, my, 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 view, my view, Steve, is that uh, if, if we have another digital education revolution, uh, I reckon that what will happen is that our government will actually fund parents through tax breaks to purchase um, mobile devices to be used at home and also in the school environment. Um, so, uh, so I do expect that we are going to be moving much more down the track of um, uh, these mobile devices. And the iPhone really, fr frankly, it's a fantastic device. Uh, to particularly at this stage for consuming a lot of content uh, and things like that on the internet. I think it's got a bit, bit of a way to go for us to have a good two-way dialogue in terms of being both a producer and consumer, but from a consuming perspective it's fantastic at the moment. So Rob Rankin asks in the, or makes a mention in the chat of Moodle, and since uh, Moodle actually started in Australia, uh, d does Moodle play into this at all, or learning management systems? Are they a part actively of what you're doing? Yeah. Uh, look, the meet.edu.au is kind of like an environment that can wrap around environments like Moodle um, or other learning management systems, or in fact we're starting to see in New South Wales Education Department, uh, they're building their own blogs uh, and wiki environments. So we kind of like see me not necessarily being in the Moodle environment, but actually almost a layer around Moodle and other environments which draws you into the uh, uh, to the one place where you can actually see what's going on with those people you're uh, well connected with. Okay, I see there's a question there. from, yeah, just see a question from Jim. Uh, Jim, the answer to your question is that most of our teachers, I think, are behind where our students are at. Uh, 
Um, but personally, I don't see that as being a problem. I see that as actually an opportunity for um, schools to become genuinely learning communities. Uh, now that does change the role of the teacher, uh, but look, I've, we've been um, we've been talking about that for about 20 years now. That the role of the teacher is going to be changing. Uh, so I, again, I think that the digital education revolution is an opportunity for us in Australia to actually force some of these issues. And if that makes some teachers uncomfortable, then we've got to support them in actually saying this is uh, it's okay for kids to be able to be. Um, uh, showing the lead in a class, particularly when it comes to the use of technology. Okay, um, Steve, what I might do now is I'll just go on to the, the final slide here um, and talk about the web too, because I understand we want about 15 minutes uh, for questions, although we've been taking questions as we go, uh, as we go along. So one of the other things that I wanted to raise uh, uh, at the COSEN conference was the fact that there are some issues that do need to be grappled with uh, in regards to Web 2. And it potentially is why one of the things we've seen in Australia uh, is a, um, I guess, a bit of a resistance to Web 2 uh, because uh, of some um, issues around things like cyber safety, uh, risk, uh, and the whole fact that the locus of control is shifting. So uh, I just want to go through some of these points and I'll go through them relatively quickly now because of time. Uh, the first point I wanted to make and it's really around the, the me.edu today you and that is that we're, we're very um, interested in the fact that um, the digital education revolution is likely, uh, as Jim was just talking about then, is likely to drive professional development demands uh, exponentially. And we know that we're not going to be able to afford to do the formal, take the teachers out of schools for a day, do a face-to-face -face type uh, professional development workshop, put them back into schools. And unfortunately, in many cases, not a lot has actually changed. So we're very interested in how you use technology itself to model the kind of behaviour that we're saying that we're, we're looking for in terms of the students. And so this, this whole notion of moving away from just being content centric to being networked centric and what becomes very important is that the, the connections that you make really are the value of your knowledge networks. And so changing the role of the teacher to be a networker rather than being someone who is the fountain of all knowledge, uh, certainly within, within those four walls of a classroom. So we see me.edu today you being an example of software that can enable informal professional learning to occur uh, without huge costs, that is having to take teachers out of schools uh, doing the professional developing and then bringing them back the following day. The other interesting issue is this whole notion of both uh, the, the, the fact that uh, in this environment now both the student and uh, the teacher is a producer and a consumer of content. Uh, and many of you will be aware uh, that intellectual property laws in all of our countries potentially can be a significant barrier to, uh, uh, to people actually taking content, mashing it up, remixing it and mashing it up into all sorts of different forms. And I can highly recommend and I think it's still very relevant, Lawrence Lessig did a fantastic presentation in a TED Talks. I'm not sure if it's still available, uh, where he did a, a terrific presentation around this whole notion of remixing uh, content. So we still have in Australia some significant issues to overcome in terms of uh, our current laws and looking at how uh, we can shift um, the whole intellectual property debate to a much more open content and more open uh, connecting, networking, sharing type of environment. Uh, I've got to say there's still some work to go there. The other issue, in the, it's really the one that Jim raised and that is that in this Web2 um, environment, really the locus of control has shifted away from formal institutional control to the end user. And that's providing us with significant um, uh, issues around how do we manage risk. And it's not that I'm saying that we've got to be risky, I'm saying that now we actually need to understand that if the locus of control shifted to the learner, 
then the learner needs to understand the responsibilities that they need to uh, take when it comes to uh, being on the internet. And I think this goes, if the learner is a young child, then that actually goes towards how do we help parents also to understand the issues and risks associated with using content. So I'm a very big one about how we can uh, ensure that the communication is not only with students but it's also with parents because often I think a lot of the um, knee-jerk reactions we get around the use of the internet are because parents don't really understand what we're trying to do here and their role in also helping us to manage that risk. And the final one is really, uh, as many of you will know, you know, things like Twitter and uh, uh, social networks really help us to uh, keep up to date with um, uh, what's going on around the world. I mean, we know that in the uh, earthquakes in China some uh, six, seven, eight months ago, uh, one of the first indications that that was actually occurring was the fact that people who were connected to uh, Chinese people uh, were all of a sudden not seeing any response from them and so it suggests there might be some things that were wrong. So what I guess what I'm really saying here is that uh, content now has a certain currency and uh, these uh, technologies, social networking technologies really enable um, currency to be a, a very important uh, value to us. So Steve, I'm going to stop there just in case there are any further questions people want to ask. So I've gathered three uh, while you were talking. And by the way, since that's the end of your formal presentation, I'm going to clap for you. You can click on the little clapping <laughs> handle and Gary, now you appreciate him. <laughs> okay, so Cheryl asks, Cheryl actually asked two questions. She says, first, I like the mention of locus of control. How do school authorities learn to manage that proactively, especially as it relates to teachers who are out on the edge of change? Yes, it's a good question and uh, it, it uh, raises the issue of the importance of principals or leaders uh, in uh, school environments. And even more importantly, I think it raises the uh, issue of the policy makers who are informing the leaders and then informing the teachers. So um, in Australia, uh, we're now part, one part of the digital education revolution will in fact be looking at how we help leaders in schools' vision about what a 21st century learning will look like and what that means for um, uh, how schools can operate. And I've seen some fabulous examples of principals in, in New South Wales, for example, where uh, uh, there's a very collaborative uh, process uh, in terms of leadership. In fact, so collaborative that even the students in the schools are considered leaders. So I think that's a, a, you know, a, and probably an exception to the rule, but a fabulous way of doing that. So. Um, it's true that we've got a long way to go here, Cheryl, but uh, my view would be we've got to work through leaders so that they've got the right vision and they understand these issues of managing risk and then clearly one of the things that I think principals got to do is communicate with their parents very well. I might also add that in Australia we have a uh, the Australian Communications and Media Authority. We're doing work with them at the moment on the whole concept of cyber safety. Uh, and this is uh, around issues like cyber bullying. And what I'm very pleased about is that that group which took uh, about two years ago a very protectionist view of this has shifted away from a protectionist view to a, uh, educate, an education view and, and are looking at how do we work with kids and parents in uh, these environments to help them make the right choices. But also at the same time to say they may make a mistake and that's okay, how do we help them through that? So Cheryl, please feel free to put a follow-up to that in the chat or, or raise your hand to take the mic. I'm going to read a question from Rod Murray. He says, having lived and taught in the state of Victoria and now back in Canada, my observation was that there were differences between the Australian states when it came to technology. Is your initiative on a national level now leveling the playing field in Australia and could it do the same, I think he's saying, in Canada and the US? Uh, yeah, it's a good question, Rod. Um, and knowing a little bit about the Canadian uh, environment where your provinces, in fact, my understanding is that there's not a federal education minister, you probably have um, greater autonomy at the state level than we do in Australia. But I will say at the moment that the autonomy at the state level is still very strong. So what our federal government is doing is providing funding 
on the basis that there will be outcomes that will be agreed to by the states and territories. So the outcome is what's been agreed to. The way in which the states achieve that outcome is actually up to the states and territories. So we still will have variations in how the digital education revolution will be played out in each of the states and territories. Um, now in some respects some people say that's great because um, uh, what we see is one state having a great idea and uh, another state either picking that up or leapfrogging. So we kind of like get this, this leapfrogging effect where the states and territories learn from each other. But it does raise the whole issue around equity and how some states like New South Wales which are quite large and uh, have got a lot of money how they might be able to uh, do things far more quickly than a smaller state like Tasmania. So Cheryl, um, if you want to put your questions to the whole room, be sure to check the um, next to the send button. There's an all rooms or this room. Uh, yours are just coming to to me and uh, Gary, so it can't be seen by anybody else. But Cheryl says, parents are obviously an important component of the new education technology process. I appreciate that you've mentioned this. Parents are part of the team, and look forward to hearing more about the ways Australia is working on this. I love what you're. I love what you all are doing. Thanks. So uh, at one point, Gary, you mentioned that you had done a study uh, when you had looked at uh, the US and the UK with regard to um, learning and teaching styles. Were you going to try and give us a link to that? Uh, this is a paper, Steve, that we're still working with our um, uh, federal education department, so it's not publicly released. It will be public. Um, my suggestion is that on uh, our current website, which is uh, www.educationau.edu.au, um, and I won't go to that now, Steve, but I, again I'll send the link. We have a, um, an area on that which is our strategic ICT advisory service and uh, that's where you will find some reports that we've done just recently and we'll include that report I referred to. Um, so for example, one of the reports we've just recently done is what we call collaboration in teaching and learning. And so it's that whole notion about the, you know, how uh, professionals um, can work together on an informal basis to support each other, which seems to be a much more sustainable way of um, uh, achieving professional learning. I also wanted to ask you if you had a sort of a report on the status of Al Upton. I know that um, <laughs> some of us in the U.S. sort of followed what had happened in his class. Can you give us a, um, some understanding of what's taken place over the last year and his circumstance? Um, I can. Um, and look, this is my understanding at the moment, and that is that um, the uh, Al Upton, for those people who don't know, Al Upton um, uh, was uh, allowing his year three students, I think they were, to be able to blog. Uh, and and uh, you know publish on the internet. Uh, there were some concerns from a parent, as I understand it, about that, and uh, uh, unfortunately, police became involved, uh, and so the education department had uh, took a particular position on that. Uh, it's my understanding that there's been quite a, a, little, a lot of dialogue between the department and our and the school around that. Uh, and certainly the department has been developing policy guidelines to hopefully prevent that from happening. But it's a good example of where uh, if parents, if we can work with parents on understanding um, A, what we're trying to do as educators and B, that, that there are risks but the risks can be managed, then I think uh, we may have got a better outcome from uh, that particular uh, um, example. But interestingly enough, across our states and territories at the same time, we probably had three or four instances like that. So it's why I'm very um, big on the fact that part of this issue is about how we communicate with parents to help them to understand um, that this is actually important stuff and secondly, that um, we can manage the risks. And so we're not putting students um, uh, at, at significant risk. So a couple of weeks ago I interviewed Mark Treadwell from New Zealand. Is that a name you know? I do know of Mark, um, but I must admit not, not as well as I perhaps should have. Uh, um, and I know Mark's done some uh, road shows here in Australia. 
Well, I think part of what was interesting to me about uh, his the event with him and then talking with you tonight is the degree to which both Australia and New Zealand seem to have a stronger government commitment or maybe a more focused government commitment with regard to technology. Do you have some sense of why that might be when you compare it with the United States? Um, well, I would say at the moment, Steve, you're right in saying that our government uh, and through its, and again, Steve, what I might do is I'll send you a link to uh, our ministers have signed a, what they call the Melbourne Declaration. And if you look at some of the rhetoric in that, it's very much around globalisation, digital citizenship, uh, and the stuff that we've talked about today that we believe is very important. So I do believe that many of our ministers in Australia have certainly got the rhetoric and in many cases I think have got commitment to that as well. Um, why, uh, why have we been able to do that? Um, look, I think Australia for a long time has been one of the um, countries that has adopted technology relatively quickly. Uh, and I, my view on that is that I think we're such a small country that we're always looking outside of Australia for great ideas to bring back in. And I would argue New Zealand's probably even in a, um, a similar situation. So perhaps that's the, that's, it's more about our psyche and the fact that we know that um, uh, you know, it's important for us to be connecting out and bringing good ideas back in and I think what we do in Australia very well is that we then try to adopt those ideas uh, very quickly without having to do huge amounts of research. Our, our research is more um, action type research which informs and informs us and then it, it's very iterative in its nature I think. I'm not sure that answered your question Steve. <laughs> well I think it does and I think it's something I, you know, I think about um, and, and, and I, I put in the chat there, maybe it has to do a little bit with humility. Um, you know, if you, if, you, if you feel as though you're uh, the world leader in some ways, it's hard to be humble and, and look for answers, which, which may be the difficult circumstance we find ourselves in. Although maybe less and less uh, feeling that way. Are there any yes, other Steve, questions Steve, for Gary? Go ahead. Sorry, Gary, I talked over you. Oh, sorry, Steve. I, look, I'll, I'll just make one other point. I, I must admit, when I was at the Cozen Conference in uh, um, March, what did strike me, though, was one of the issues that I think you guys are grappling with, which we fortunately don't have in Australia, is the No Child Left Behind policy. Uh, and I don't want to be too political or controversial here, but it does seem to me that uh, that, that policy itself uh, potentially may constrain teachers from being able to um, innovate and try things differently when you've got to focus on particular outcomes. And uh, so I think that's the other thing that we, we've got here too, that we, we still have outcomes, but we don't really prescribe how we, we expect people to get there. So, uh, so I think that's, and that's why I think our new national curriculum that we're developing, I think it's very important that we think very carefully about the fact that it's important to have outcomes, but it's probably less important now to have everyone achieve those outcomes in exactly the same way. So great point. I'm I'm putting in the web tour the survey for the the survey or the evaluation for tonight's show. I'm going to clap for Gary again. Gary, thanks for coming on. Uh, I realize it's morning for you, but thanks for coming on uh, evening for us, being a part of this. You and I just spent a lot of time trying to find a time for you to do this, and I'm really glad we did. Um, it's great to hear from you again, and I'm really impressed with what you're doing. Uh, Gary, please don't close that web tour because it will actually close it for for those who are in it. Um, and okay. those of you who are here, please do fill it out. It helps us to know uh, what you like and don't like in these sessions. Um, I do want to thank uh, KnowledgeWorks and um, <laughs> Illuminate for providing this environment. And thank you for coming tonight. Uh, coming up in June, John City Brown, David Thornburg, and a virtual school series with Chris Walsh. So lots of fun still ahead on the future of education. Uh, Gary, any final words? Uh, no, look, thanks for the opportunity, Steve, and I appreciate the fact that it wasn't at 4 o'clock in the morning, so it, 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 at least it was a decent hour here, so nine, half past nine in the morning was uh, fantastic, so I uh, appreciate that. And, and I hope, I, I mean, it'd be interesting to get feedback from your audience about, uh, you know, some of the issues I raised, because I see already that there is uh, a number of people who are saying they, 
uh, agree with uh, some of my sentiments. So uh, hopefully that's gone down well. No, uh, I I really enjoyed what you had to say at COSIN. I'm glad you were able to follow up here and, and that we'll be able to introduce you to, to a few more people. And if you want to follow up with Gary, please feel free to leave a comment in the futureofeducation.com social network event page for this session. Just go to futureofeducation.com, click on uh, Gary's session, and you can leave a comment there. Gary, I uh, look forward to staying in touch with you. Thanks again. Thanks, everybody, for coming. And uh, we'll look forward to next time. Thanks, Steve. Thanks, everyone.